Good evening, friend. And may the Lord richly bless you. And thank you, Brother Neville, for that kind remark. So happy to be back at the tabernacle tonight in the service of our blessed Lord and to see our friends out tonight and to worship him with us. It certainly is a grand privilege to meet uh, once more this side the coming of the Lord. Naturally, we see here so many going away unexpectedly so quickly. We just wonder time after time who's next. But having this blessed assurance that if there's nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ, neither death or, or nothing present or nothing future, or any powers that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And knowing this, that after this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting, unfixed, unsettled, and we rest upon that blessed hope so glorious. I was talking to my wife and Mrs. Woods and them, just, I come back, I was saying, well, it just seems like it's just trip after trip and place after place, but yet they become more glorious. And I, knowing that we are coming to the close, uh, the, the nearness of the coming of the Lord, I said, well, talking to my boy coming down the road the other day, coming from out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, then... I said, you know, home is a wonderful place. We were heading back home. I said, we love this world. This is our home. We might not think it is, but it is. We were born for this home. This God put us here. We had no way bringing ourselves here. Even our father and mother had no way. That had to be in the hands of God. Many people are married never have a child. But God so saw that we could come to this earth. And then when we come, we begin to grow and build into a body by atoms and lights and so forth as they begin to take on from the earth. And then after we got a certain age, they stop growing. We still add them to us, but they're going away. Death is set in. And then when this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one there waiting. We enter into that. We'll know one another. We can't shake hands. We have no senses of that feeling. We can't, uh, I couldn't shake your hand and say, how do you do, brother? Uh, because I, I, you wouldn't have that type of hand, but yet we're not in a corporal body as we are now. We're in a um, celestial body. And then when this, and I was thinking of down in Egypt, that when Joseph left the memorial to the children of Israel, his bones, that someday they were going out. And as they went out, they would take his bones with them up to the promised land. And every Hebrew that desired to be back in the homeland, so no matter how well he was treated, yet his longing was to be back at the homeland. And every time they passed by and saw those bones, they knew that someday they were going back to the homeland. While we're here waiting to cross out of this place, we see an empty tomb over yonder in Jerusalem. Let us knowing that something happened. And then when we take on that glorified, not glorified, but celestial body, and we're walking around in the glory lands with Christ, looking at each other, speaking to each other, we can talk, souls under the altar, crying how long? And then what will be the memorial there that we're coming back to earth again to eat and drink and sleep? There he'll be sitting there on a throne in a corporal body. Amen. Someday he'll rise in that corporal body, and when he returns back, these celestial bodies will take on glorification. Then we'll be like him, and we'll live forever. Amen. What a... What, what does anything else matter? Just anchor right there, and that this my hopes is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And all around my soul gives way. He's been all my hope and stay. 
And then on the 11th, we begin in Charlotte, or Columbia, North Carolina. And then to Spindale, North Carolina. And then from there to Charlotte, South Carolina. And then Anchorage, Alaska, from there, up into Anchorage, Alaska. Then back, and not determined, but perhaps maybe by then, the tent will be ready to be on the road. Oh, I've just... You know what I want to do? Will you pray with me for this? Look, I want for too long the Lord willing to put that tent right here in this fall city and stay there for a four or six weeks meeting. Just stay right here until the battle is finished. Hallelujah. You be praying for that now. Now, I'd just like to stick it out here between Jeffersonville and New Albany somewhere and just put up about a seven or 8,000 seating capacity in it, and then we can add more as the days go by and just stay right here until it's settled. Amen. Amen. And then, um, then I think, then on the 11th to the 15th of June at Cato Tabernacle in Indianapolis, and then uh, the 17th, I believe through the 21st of June, is at Minneapolis and the football stadium. Now, they're seating 27,000. That's the International Convention of the Christian Businessmen speaking and having prayer for the sick each night. Now, be praying over these two and pray hard. Uh, I just feel that we haven't got much time now, and I'll predict it. I don't say this is the Lord saying this now. I, I'm predicting that this year America will receive Christ or reject Christ. See? I believe this will be the turning point, that America will go in. We'll have a revival in this day, or we won't have a revival. And I believe that this is the year that America will make its decision. And I trust that they'll make it and we'll have a great revival. This week. We're having much preaching and much evangelism, but we need a revival, don't we? A real revival. That's what we need. The Lord bless you. Glad to see Brother Grimm there. And, and um, I believe Brother Smith sitting right in front of him, Brother from the Smith and the Church of God, and, and there's several ministers in here, I'm sure, and we welcome you all, brethren, each and every one, and the strangers in our gates all the way up here. We just love you. And now with these announcements away, and realizing it's a night communion night for the communion service, and pray hard for our dear brother Neville, who's holding the fort here at the tabernacle, doing a great job, and for all the saints everywhere. Oh, what a needy time. What a needy time. I heard from down in Africa and such a call for Africa. And Brother Oregon Bright was just telling me on the phone a while ago that the king of, of some of those countries down in there, I forget just where it was, I believe up here in Sweden, Switzerland, I'll get it in a minute, Denmark, has wrote a special letter to make this the season to come there at this time. And Africa, India, many different places where Hawaiian Islands got in the other day, that's about ten times straight that they call for a revival. Christian businessman wants to go out there, just flower, make uh, order, organize a chapter and speak for them that morning, and then begin a revival in Hawaii. So the whole world has become our parish. Amen. The whole world. And we are his servants. So let us just remember, friends, that this may be the last night, this may be the last year, or maybe the last generation. See, we don't know. But anyhow, we do know this of a fact, that the living know they have to die. It is once the point unto man to death, and after that the judgment. And if there be any here tonight who isn't ready to meet that and has not this blessed hope, may this be the night. Amen. And you'll decide for the Lord Jesus for once for all, for eternity. Amen. Now, shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank Thee from the very depths of our hearts, knowing that we are waiting here, not flustrated at all, no matter how many atomic bombs they make and how many civil service people they put out to watch the plane, the world nervous and shaky. We're resting upon this blessed hope that we have. We're trusting in the finished work of God at Calvary through Christ. 
knowing this, that after this earthly tabernacle is no more, we got one already waiting yonder. More glorious, far more. Where there's no pain or suffering, sickness, no old age will ever strike it, never a gray hair, never a wrinkle, but we'll be young there forever. The blessed Bible, which cannot tell nothing but the truth, has given us this blessed assurance. And the Holy Ghost also is a witness bearing record of the same. Our hearts long for that. And we know the Bible tells us so, which is the Word of God, the seeds to be planted upon this fertile ground to let us rest in this hope. God, I pray that you'll touch every person tonight outside of Christ and bring them to this close, marvelous walk. Heal the sick sitting here tonight, Lord, no doubt. With this many people, there's bound to be sickness in the midst of us. And we pray that you'll heal everyone. Now come to the Word, Father. Take the Word, which is a lifeline. The grassroots, Lord, of all civilization. We pray that the Holy Spirit will take each Word and give it to the heart just as we have need. May we fellowship around the Word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For a little reading of the Scriptures tonight, or just a, a little text to try to hunt a context and be swiftly right to the Word so we can have the communion tomorrow being Monday. I know we don't like to think of those things, of having to go back to work, but we have to face that. And many times, you know, but after all, this is more essential in jobs than everything else. Or your job will play out someday. And you'll play out with it. But if you've got eternal life, you'll never have an end. It's eternal. It's on. Perpetual. Think of it, a perpetual life. Has no end. One eons of time has passed on by. We'll still be there. When the millions of years roll by, we'll still be there. So just for a few days here on earth, jobs doesn't amount to so much to help us along by our little food and so forth, to eat which we have to have it. Now in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, beginning with the 12th verse, Therefore let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who is not, who who willing that you not to suffer you to be tempted above of which you are able, but with every temptation also make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. What a beautiful verse. May the Lord add his blessings to that book. Making a way would be what I'd like to speak on tonight. You know, May he add his blessing to his word as we listen now to the word. It's my opinion that if the word, which is the grassroots, which is the thing that takes hold, many times in my healing services, I, I try to, even after the teachers has already went through it all, I try to come back and, and take the word and lay a foundation. A few nights ago, I got a little letter of criticism, which was fine. A man told me, he said, Brother Branham, you're just a boy. He said, I was preaching the gospel before you was born. And he said, I, all my 46 years, but yet he, he was a teacher of some Bible school. He said, but a, a man that of your kind that te- teaches people and yet would make a remark that you made the other night? said, I think it's ridiculous. said, you said that the devil didn't have no power to heal. He said, perhaps what if I tell you that the devil has got power to heal? said, now you'd ask me, if you were standing present, why I know. said, I'll tell you. said, in our town, there's a woman lives there which has a, a bad spirit. And she people comes to her for healing. Says she'll pull hair out of her head and she'll pluck blood from their veins and wrap it up in his hair, 
walk down to the river and pass this thing over her shoulder and not look back. If she looks back, then the disease remains with the person, but she has to throw it in the river like it's forgetfulness and walk away. And it said 60% of the people we've kept count are healed. So now, if the devil can't heal, what about that? So I answered him back. I said, my kind, beloved brother, with all due regards to your years, see, all due regards to your years of teaching. But I'll tell you now that Jesus Christ said that the devil has no power to heal. And if Jesus said it, that settles it with me. He said, if Satan cast out Satan, then his kingdom is divided and it has an end. And he cannot cast out Satan. Then you'd ask me, why was these people healed? Why, it's not the person. The witch had nothing to do with it. No more than I'd have to do with any other man. It's the people that's approaching, thinking if they're coming, God's provided way for their healing. It's their individual faith in God that does the healing. That's the approach that they think. It isn't the witch, or no more than it would be the man. So therefore... The gospel can only maneuver or it can only reach out as the Word of God is taught. And man based their hopes upon God's eternal Word. Faith cometh by hearing, Amen. hearing by the Word. Amen. Dr. Dare here in the city, my beloved friend. Said to me one day, he said, Billy, don't you think if people had faith to touch the tree out there, you get the same result? I said, how could you have faith in that? If you could have the equal amount of faith believing that it was God's provided way for you to touch the tree and it would do it, then they could do it. But who's got faith in the tree? I got faith in what God said, and I just take that. So faith isn't built upon the shifting sands of, of emotional uh, conceptions, but faith is built upon the standard. God's eternal word, the rock of ages. There's where faith takes its solemn resting place and never moves. Amen. It's built right there. Now, making a way. I don't believe that God ever run his office just a haphazard way. I, I wouldn't run mine, you wouldn't run yours. Jesus didn't die at Calvary just to say, well, now maybe people feel sorry for me that I come to go to earth and take on the form of flesh and they'll really get saved. Maybe if they see how pitifully I die. God didn't do that. Jesus died for one purpose, and that was to save those who God foreknew would be saved. That's right. God knew there was going to be somebody saved, and there had to be a preparation or a way made for them to be saved. If there wasn't, salvation wasn't possible. So God, foreknowing that people would be saved, knowing who they were, he had to lay a plan down. Now you'd say to me, Brother Branham, then God knows exactly who will be saved correctly. Well, why does it say he's not willing that any should perish? He isn't. He isn't willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. But to order to be God, he has to know who will do that, or he wasn't God. Because he is he's omnipotent, he's, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient. He knows everything, he's at every place, and all-powerful. So foreknowledge looks back and says that he foresaw this, and knows that's the reason he could tell what the end was from the beginning. And therefore, knowing that all these marvelous days that we're living in now, and to stand and witness, and see the things that we see now, God had to make a preparation for it. The other night I was so amazed, a little woman come up to the platform, that big $300,000 place there, and she had a little uh, makeup stuff on her face. She stood there and she started trembling. I said, you're a Lutheran by the Holy Spirit? She said, yes, sir. And I said, you're here to be prayed for, and the reason you're walking the way you are, both knees have been broke. I said, that was caused by a car accident in a car that you were driving in four years ago. She said, that's true. I said, your doctor's a little short fellow, bald-headed and wears glasses. I said, that's right. Now I said, he's doctoring because of in the, the knees, and the bone has 
become too burnt to her, and even the flesh is the rotting around the bones. She said, that is right. And she says, is there a hope for me? I said, that depends on your approach to the Lord Jesus. I said, she said, can you help me? I said, no, ma'am. No one can help you now, but you have to help yourself to God's provided blessings for you. And she said, I now believe with all my heart. I said, the Lord heals you, sister. It's thus saith the Lord. You're healed. She said, Mr. Branham, I haven't been able to kneel, she said, for four years while weeping, standing there, rubbing her hands. The great audience of people weeping, watching her, Lutherans. Presbyterian. And I said, why don't you go down to the altar and kneel down? She said, let me kneel right here, right where I'm healed. She never moved from her steps, but she knew she was healed. Something took place. She knew it. There wasn't any guessing about it. I said, kneel down. And for the first time in four years, both knees broken, all calloused over, made over the bones together. That woman, like a young woman, knelt on her knees with the tears streaming from her cheeks, raised up her hands to God, or just raised right up from there just as easy like a little girl and tipped off the platform. What was it? God had to make a way for them. Now, he sent doctors, that's right, and doctors are fine, and they've done all they could do, but God had made a way. Amen. That's it. After the doctor had failed in his way, God's way is so much higher than our way. What a wonderful thing. Now, to think tonight that you and I won't go on to thank this, but we were actually natured after the world, say like pigs, and tonight have become saints. Something had to be done. Now, we couldn't go into heaven as pigs. We'd have to go into heaven as saints. So a preparation had to be made for this, and God gave it so beautifully in the Old Testament, back in the book of Numbers, about the 20th chapter, and over in Exodus, about 36, 32, and we find out that on the Day of Atonement, God, in the types, foreshowing what He would do in the antitype when He come, which was Christ, the high priest was commanded to take two goats, little goats, and take them in for atonement, uh, offering, and a bullock for his own family. And many of you readers here and studiers of the Bible know just how that the atonement was. But then one goat, there had to be a lot cast. And the lot fell on one goat, it died. And then the blood of this goat was placed upon the other goat with the hands of the high priest confessing the sins of the people upon the living goat. And then a man who was worthy, taking the living goat under his arm and went way into the wilderness where the goat would have to perish and go into an isolated, out-of-the-way place, never no more in that state to come back into the family of his own again but to be isolated forever, bearing the sins of the people away. Now, I know many scholars perhaps are sitting here, and especially the Adventists, they, they say that one goat was Christ and the other was the devil. Now, brethren, I have to differ a little on that. We can't sacrifice to the devil. Both goats represented Christ. Both of them was Christ. Christ is our. He bled for our sins, and He bore them Himself away. Amen. Devil can't bear my sins. Christ is our sin barrier. Get straight, then your faith won't move. Christ is our sin barrier, and the sins of the world. Christ was the dying animal at the cross. Listen, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And only the types we were drawing dividends, knowing that the antitype would come someday, 
Why was he slain from the foundation of the world? Because God perceived in his mind how them things would be and what the church would be and what everything would be. And he spoke the word. And when God speaks the word, it's as good as done right then. So he was slain from the foundation of the world. You see it? When you get down to that now and let your faith rest solemnly, not upon man, not upon theologies of man, not upon church denominations, as good as they are, as good as man is, let your faith rest alone in Christ's finished work at Calvary for both sin and salvation. You see it? Notice Christ came and he was the dying animal. For he was already in prefigure slain before the foundation of the world. You see it? God spoke it and said it would be so. So when God speaks, it's forever confirmed in heaven. Amen. The Word. The, and that's where you ought to have faith. If you believe this to be God's eternal, unchangeable Word, then every precept that's been spoken, God's Word, is a seed. Amen. And everything that God has spoke of in the Word is already confirmed in glory. And it's been given to you to act upon. So don't be afraid to take any phase of God's eternal blessed Word and anchor it in your heart. Now, it has to be in soil. Now, for instance, I took a grain of corn and put it in um, blue pumice stone or something like that. It perhaps would not grow because it's a wrong kind of soil. But if it goes into good, fertile, black top soil, it will grow as sure as it's placed in there. Right. And when the Word, here it is now. When the Word of God falls into a heart full of faith, it just has to grow. Amen. It's got to take hold. That's the reason the woman standing there with both knees cast them over like that from the deposit and the breaking of the knees where both was mashed and the bones rotten with two burglar and the, also the flesh. She wasn't afraid to bow her knees. For what? The Word had fell in faith. Springs up. Do you get it? God before the foundation world said that Christ would be here and He would slay die the innocent for the guilty. And when God spoke it, it was already confirmed when God spoke it. Now, before it can be a word, it has to be a thought, for a word is a thought expressed. And then if the God in his mind perceived these things, then they were in his mind, then he spoke them, and they're as good as finished when God speaks because he's infallible. Amen. And can do nothing else. Then God's attitude, if God saves sinners back there on the base, of accepting the burnt offering, the sacrifice provided, he's got to do the same thing today or he did wrong when he took the first man in by. Amen. If God healed the sick back there upon the basis of the shed blood of an animal, upon the basis of the atonement, he's got to do the same today or he was wrong when he healed the first person. Amen. He can't change. We grow, we mature, we find better things, we talk of better things, we wear better clothes, drive a better automobile. We're progressing. But God cannot progress in that way because He was perfect to begin with. Amen. And perfection cannot progress anymore. Amen. It's already perfection. Amen. So He don't have to say, well, this is a different age. We've got a better thought now. If it is, he can't be God. So if he is God, what he spoke back there, he has to stay with it because he was perfect there and it's perfect now. You see it? 
Hallelujah. And he can't progress. He can't. What well, I mean, he can't embedder things. Make this a little of. Say this would be a little better. He said, "What about the old lamb and this lamb? That was a type waiting for it, and he said it was. He spoke of the lamb slain the foundation of the world in the beginning. I'll put enmity against her seed and the serpent seed, and then to wait for that fullness of time came. God gave a propitiation of sin through the shed blood of the lamb, pointing." He gave the same thing through the moon at night, of the being the sun in the daytime, the moon being a shadow of the sun, of the sun shining on the moon, making a shadow. The moon and the sun is husband and wife. And while the sun is gone away, it throws its light against the moon to give us a smaller light until the sun comes. And when the sun comes, the moon fades out. Amen. Christ is the Son who's called to glory and shining on the church with the same kind of light He shined when He was here. And the church is the light of the world until Jesus comes and it all melts together. Like the moonlight, the sunlight becomes one light when it emerges together. And when Christ and His church comes together at the great millennium, they emerge into one. And today, ye are the light of the world. In his presence, in his absence, rather, he is giving you the light to shine with while he's here. All the old things, all the things of the earth are a type of the heavenly. Even the spiders and lizards and snakes and so forth are only types of evil spirit reflecting back. Why was a cancer called cancer? Because it has the form of a crab. And the word cancer means crab. Now. You see, all those things which are types and shadows, so the scapegoat that was put away into the wilderness in an isolated place, separated from his fellow citizens, bearing the sins of the people upon his head, was a type of Christ being separated from God and out of his presence and bore our sins to hell. And there, God wouldn't suffering. David said, I'll not suffer my Holy One to see corruption. Neither will I leave his soul in hell. And on the third day, rose again for our justification. Amen. But he typed the goat, the scapegoat, and also the goat for the sin offering. God making preparations and a provided way. God always makes a way of escape. Every time. Sickness pins you into the corner. Satan pins you down to a place as you become a Christian. Maybe you've been a gambler. You see it? The cards are on the table. Come on, John. We know it's in you. Satan is there to tempt you. But God at every, every time will make a way of escape if you just accept it. Maybe you've been a, a drunkard. And the glass is under your nose. Now, come on, John. Now, if you want to heed to that voice, you'll go right straight out to your water again. But God is always there. Turn your mind towards heaven and look towards Calvary. Amen. And say, Blessed Holy Spirit, come to me on the need. Amen. Watch what takes place. God will make a way of escape every time. For he will. God has always did it. And now notice, before the destruction of the world, when men were sinful and the people were sinful in the world, God made a way of escape for those who desired to escape by it. God had an ark built, prepared. Noah built a way on an ark for the preparing this ark for a preparation. All the way, listen, from a far away of escape as the wrath and the judgment of God was piling up in the heavens to be poured out upon a sinful nation and a sinful people who rejected and stiff-necked, walked against the commandments of God all the time this wrath was being piled up in the heavens to be poured out upon the people in judgment. 
Amen. The merciful God made a way of escape for those who desire to walk in it. Amen. The way of escape. Now, we've come to the place again where the judgments are piling up. And of that day in the Andalusian, how much more of today, when the ending of the history of time, when the ending of history of the nations was coming to a climax, how much more is the wrath of God upon millions of more people? Peeping together until sin has steeped in the world until she's a tottering like a drunk man staggered home at war. Done gone beyond the moon's tower until it's reached the, the garments of Jehovah of Sabbath. And she's staggering her the load of her own man-made theory, of her own self-preservation, of her own theologies. If taking the commandments of God and making them a non-effect by teaching the traditions of man. Loving the praises of man more than the praises of God. Our teachers that become lukewarm and placing up on joining church and saying that's all right. As long as you belong to church, just forget about it. But rather, God made a way of escape. And you'll have to come to God's terms. And that's through Christ Jesus our Lord. No other foundation is laid but that which has already been laid. No no one to build up on any other foundation is like stubbles and mud. The floods will wash it away and great will be the fall. But Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is it he built it up on? On the spiritual revealed truth that he is the Amen. Yes. Who does man say, I'm the son of man am? Some say Elias, and some say Moses, and some say John the Baptist, and so forth. But who do you say I am? Without hesitation? Without taking a second? Listen, sinner. That's the way you receive it. He had been with him. He knew what he was. And then before he could even think the second time, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. And he said, That's the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hey, hallelujah. He said, Oh, blessed art thou, Solomon, Simon Barjo. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You never learned this from somebody's theology, you never come from a seminary with it. But my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed it to you. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. The floods may come and the atomics may fall and all, but he who safely in Christ arrived the storm of the atomic extinguished, Noah did the storm of the flood, safely in the ark. Let your faith drop down into that once. See what takes place. On God's solid rock, on the Christ, God makes a way of escape every time. He has to make a way of escape. When the strategic time comes, God is the God, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Or the Lord will provide for himself a way of escape. Amen. God can provide it because he's the creator. And God wants for all the Calvary. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There. There, when the archangels of heaven, when all the regions of demons trembled, when the earth took a nervous prostration and shook the grave, and when the sun had convulsions and hung back under and turned into blackness, when the moon and stars shook out of their places, the redeemed of all ages, and through the ages will come, will recognize that hour. Amen. When the Son of God died there, stripped Satan of every power, even death and hell. Amen. The grave and all fear was swallowed up there, Calvary. When he paid the supreme price, and when the Lamb died, and the sins placed upon him, 
He was a sin barrier. Took him to hell where they belong. And God raised him up on the third day. And by believing that, we're justified by faith. Amen. On the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God making a way of escape. Oh, brother, as you see the hair of the animals screaming, every time you hear one, it's a marker that you're going that way. Every time you pass a graveyard, it's a marker you're going that way. Every time a wrinkle appears in the face and a gray hair in the head, it's a marker you're going that way. No wonder that Paul could say, with that real hope rooted in granted in it, like this, when he jumped down to the end of the road, he said, a pot of tied up, finish the course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The Lord the righteous judge will give me that day not only me, but all that love is appearing. Amen. When you're sick and tired of this whole life, Praise. and you love the appearing of the Lord Jesus better than you love your food at the table or your wife or your children, then there's a crown made up for you. Not a crown of gold crown to put upon your head, but a body free from pain of That's what's laid up for you. Cut the Lord, the righteous judge, will give you it that day. That's the day we look forward to. God has made a way of escape for every one of us. Certainly, uh, when Daniel the prophet, God's child was thrown into a lion's den. There was the time that Daniel, being faithful, who raised his witness and wasn't afraid of what the king said. And when they prayed, regardless of what the proclamation was made, Daniel prayed anyhow as he faced Jerusalem and prayed. If man faced Jerusalem and prayed, the city where the burnt sacrifice is made, that's the reason Daniel looked that way and prayed. For the Lord had already said, the people would be in trouble at any time and look towards this holy place and prayed. Then here, I'll hear from heaven Amen. when Solomon dedicated the temple. That's the reason Jonah had the faith he did when he had seaweeds wrapped around his neck and standing in a vomit in the belly of the whale way down in the deep of the ocean on a stormy sea. He said, they're lying manatees. But once more, I'll look to your holy temple, God. God did something. He made a way of escape for Jonah. What he did, nobody knows. That's God's own secret. But no matter where it was impossible, God can, can alter circumstances. Amen. He can make the impossible become a probable, and not only probable, but he can make it a reality. When you can take God at His word and accept everybody wait, that God provided for a man. God did something. He might have put an oxygen tent down there. I don't know what He did in the belly of that whale. But he kept Jonah in there for three days and nights as a type that Christ would lay without oxygen in the belly of the earth and on the third day he'll come out again. It was a type. He made a way of escape. He always will. When Daniel stood there and the lions coming running to him, there was not a fear in that old saint's heart. But he stood there and God wasn't finished with him. And just before the lions grabbed him, an angel spread before them. No doubt, but the same burning light that appeared to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. A big light shined out, and they looked, and they didn't know what was taking place, and Saul fell from his horse. And a voice came from the light, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? But who is the Lord? He said, Ah, Jesus, you're persecuting. It was the Hebrew children that had been faithful to the promise of God. That was laying down there in the fiery furnace or in Babylon, rather, going to the fiery furnace. One step between them and death. How much that may be to man here tonight. There may be one day between you and eternal separation. You'll make your decision now. The way's provided for you if you accept it. One step, said Jonathan to David when they shot the, the, the bowl. One step between me and death. 
one step between them and death. But just at that crucial moment, God provided a way of escape. And he sent into that fiery furnace the Lord Jesus Christ and kept the fire off of them. He was Enoch who claimed that he walked with God for 500 years and had a testimony he pleased God. He had a faith that he wouldn't see death. How could God do it? Hey. There wasn't even a jet plane in those days to get him off his feet. Hey. But God provided a way, a translation that took Enoch from earth to glory without receiving death. Hey, my. It was Elijah who stepped across the old of the Jordan River that day to divide him from one side to the other. Praise the Lord. When, when Elijah was ready to go to heaven without dying, hey. it was God provided a way for him. Yeah. Not a jet plane, but he sent a chariot of fire drove the heart of the fire. God provided a way Praise in the minute, a way of escape from death. It was Moses, I believe who followed the children of Israel, who led them, following the light, the pillar of fire through the wilderness. It was Moses who endured to the end. It was Moses, 120 years after 80 years of service for God, who stood up on the mountain and looked over into the promised land with the tears rolling down his cheeks of an old man 120 years old. He'd come to the briar patches. He'd wade in the deep waters. He'd tasted the bitter gut cup of gall and sorrow. He'd been with the disobedient people as their pastor. He led them from place to place and put up with their murmurs and throwed himself in the breach and said, God, take me before you do them. But Moses, who stood there as an old man, knowing that in every way he was the type of Christ, knowing somehow, some way, God surely would take him because he had to bring him up again as the type of Christ. He was born as a prophet, as Christ, and not only a prophet, but a leader and so forth. He was either way in the bulrushes, and so was Christ taken to Egypt. He was the lawgiver as Christ was from the Mount of Olives, who we came from Sinai. Every way he was a type of Christ. And when he was old and death staring in the face, how would he ever bring forth the resurrection? But just as the crucial moment come, God provided a way. When the breath was leaving and gurgling in his neck, he was laying by his side, and there stood the rock. God provided a rock. The rock was Christ Jesus, who was in the wilderness. Moses endured to the rock. God, give me grace to endure to the same thing. And when my life breath is being thrown from this body, let me see the rock standing there. Stepped over on the rock, and the angels come and packed him away. Eight hundred years later, he was standing Palestine with Elijah standing there talking to Jesus before the cross. God made a way of escape. Two of the greatest things in the Old Testament that I can see in the prophecies, two great factions was this. The people looked forward to a time that when the Messiah would come. And then if the Messiah come, they looked forward to a time that the Holy Spirit would come. Finally, in due time, all the types back there that they had through the prophets and everything, all the types and the atonements they had, finally, Messiah, come. And it was settled because God had said so. Then they looked forward to a time, to a great glorious church that would be without spot or wrinkle, that would shine in the earth as a star. They looked for that time. How's it going to be? He'd been dead for three days and nights. He rose again. He appeared in the 500, and then he ascended into heaven. He left them on earth here alone. How could it be this glorious church when the leader was gone? God promised the church. How could it be the light that would shine in this place after him being gone? When he said there, a little while the world sees me no more. Yet you'll see me, for I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. The things that I do shall you also go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them and believe. How can they do it? With Christ absent from them. How can they do it? When God gave them the promise, but look, God provided a Pentecost. When the Holy Ghost in person came down and took over one of man's body after they had been cleaned by the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost took that. 
person into his own control and sang forth with signs and wonders and miracles of all. God provided a way. They couldn't do it in themselves. They were man like you and I. How could they do it? They couldn't. But God provided a way of escape. When they were hired in the upper room, they thought the people would make fun of them. They thought they'd be this, that, other. They had the windows all closed and the doors locked. How could they do it? They were cowards. They had no backbone. They had a chicken wishbone. And no real Holy Ghost backbone. They had the doors locked. They was afraid. They was ashamed to walk out and face the public. How could they do it? But God sent a Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They flung the winners and doors open and in the streets. They went. God promised it. When God promises, God will keep His word. He'll make a way of escape. He'll never suffer you to be tempted above anything that He won't make a way of escape for you. He'll do it. Here we are. We've lived through the day of a dismal day, cloudy, rainy. The church is halfway in, halfway out. They wonder how can they do this and how can they do this. It had no light. But the prophet said, it'll be light in the evening time. How can it be? We, the church in this day, that glorious church that's to be here on earth, when Jesus comes to receive a glorious church, we're receiving the latter rain, the pour out, a double portion of the Holy Ghost is coming on the earth and sweeping every nation. And revival fires are burning on every hill. From China and Japan, from Korea, the dark Africa, and everywhere the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon the people. God made a way. How did my blind eyes be healed? God made a way. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. He'll always make a way. And for you here, it's in the earth today. You who are waiting for the consolation. You who are pilgrims and strangers. Be like David. David was going to the battle. He didn't go frustrated. He didn't go with a halfway mark. He didn't go thinking maybe it'll do it. But he waited in the mulberry bush until after a while it was death silent. Nothing going. After a while away, back in the distance, he heard the leaves start. Got louder and louder and louder. After a while, a great gusher wind went on before him. He knew that was God and a holy host of angels going before him. And he drew his sword and tucked the battle and set the enemy to fight. Amen. Brother, don't jump up and think something when you're not right to go yet. Stop it! And see that it's not joining a church, not shaking hands with a preacher. Neither has it been baptized in water. But it's accepting God's provided sacrifice, Jesus Christ, as a person into your heart. Amen. The Holy Ghost will move on before you like a rushing wind, moving everything from the way. Hallelujah. Amen. That's it. Then be Christians. You who are in the way, be real God-fearing man. There's coming up a revival here pretty soon. A big tent meeting. I can just see it. Right? What do you want to do? Conduct yourself. Here some time ago down in the south, friends. There was people who used to go by and buy slaves and so forth. I just happened to think of this little story. As they went by and buy slaves, they noticed the poor fellows had been beat. They hated to leave their country and they know they'd never be back. The Negro people, it was pitiful how they was treated. One day they happened to notice one young fellow with his shoulders so back and they had to beat him. No, sir. Some buyer come by and said, let me buy that slave. He said, he's not for sale. He said, well, what makes him so much different? Is he the boss or the rest of them? He said, no. So what makes him different? Do you they eat better? He said, no, eat for the rest of them. So what makes him so much different? That I have to learn that his father is a king of the tribe. Though he's in a far land, he still throws his shoulders back. He's a royal born man. His daddy is a king, though he's an alien. His father is a king. Hey. My father is rich in houses and land. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hand. Of rubies and diamonds and silver and gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. We, the people here in this tabernacle, have the infallible proof of the resurrected Lord Jesus when the revival swept the land from a humble little place like this. Oh, more than the manger of Bethlehem and probably more humbler. 
But through your God has sent forth a great revival that swept tens of thousands, yes, into the millions, into the kingdom of God. Do you want to be a fellow citizen with us? Are you ready tonight, sinner, to throw down your differences, throw down your sinful life, and straighten up your shoulders and join this rank of arms, along marching people believing that the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin? Shall we praise you, bow our heads? Our kind Heavenly Father, tonight as we wait upon thee, expecting the great Holy Spirit of God to move out through this audience and to do the exceeding abundantly, as we're just now ready on the eve of taking the communion. Oh, Father God, we pray that you'll speak to sinners' hearts tonight. Let them come, Lord, basically, not upon emotion, not upon some sad story, but upon truly the unadulterated Word of God, that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God grant tonight that the words of the Lord Jesus in St. John 5, 24 ring in every heart. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but pass from death to life. May many pass this hour from death to life as we wait for the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ's name. And with your heads bowed, I wonder if the sister plays, if there ever one Christian in prayer, is there a man, woman, boy, or girl that would raise your hand to God, not to me? And say, right this, I raise my hand to say to you, God, I believe that the judgment's ready to strike the earth, and I am under the condemnation of this judgment. I must be separated from God, from the presence of the church, from the presence of the Christian people. I must be tormented forever in an eternal hell. But tonight, I feel your Spirit speaking to me, that I must be chosen of God. For Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draws him. And I feel a peculiar drawing in my heart. And I now want to accept Christ as my personal Savior. And God, I raise my hand to you and say to this, I now accept your Son, Jesus Christ, your provided sacrifice for my ill and ill-feigned sins. I now raise my hands to you. Will you do it? Man or woman, boy or girl in here at this moment would raise up your hands and say, by this I now accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Waiting a moment for you to make your decision. Just raise your hand. God bless you, little boy. Someone else, raise your hand. Say, God bless you, my brother. All right. You're making it to God, not to me. As many as believe, was baptized and was added to the church. 3,000 souls. Areas of mountains filled with blood. Certainly. Will you plunge now by faith, saying, Lord God, I now cut loose. Oh, I've went up to the altar many times. I've done this, that, or I've joined the church. I've tried to escape the wrath. But tonight I'm coming this way upon the basis of Jesus Christ dying in my stead. He was the sacrificial lamb. He was the scapegoat. He was all in, in him. I am complete. He bore my sins. He took my place at Calvary. He took my place under God's wrath. He took my place under God's punishment. He took my place in hell. And for me to take his place in heaven to become a son of God, I now accept that basis right now as a sinner I believe. When Somebody's making the decision for the Lord. Pray. Lose how much? All their guilty stain. Jew, Gentile, bond or free. Sinner or church member. Priest, doctor, lawyer, whatever you may be. Lose all your guilty stain by believing on the Lord Jesus, accepting his personal Savior. Listen to this verse that we sang quite now. The dying thief rejoice to see that at the end of the road all hope's gone there appeared a fountain. Are you at the end tonight of your own will? 